Hello everyone and welcome to the Banner Broadcast, a Banner Pipeline Project initiative where we provide professional development resources for civically engaged leaders in the higher education and nonprofit sectors. In the inside scoop of a civically engaged higher education career series, we will explore what it means to lead a career in this sector and learn from the experiences of six professionals currently working in the field. Today's episode, Reflection on Identity and a Typical Day, focuses on how one's identity plays a role in this field and what a typical day looks like. The first question that our interviewers will respond to is, how do you think your identity plays a role in your field? First, we have Joshua Rodriguez, a student development program manager of the Sweater Center at Brown University, discussing how his identity plays a role in how he approaches his work and that community. So I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, so, and I'm teaching the, the students at Brown University about these neighborhoods. These are, this is my backyard. We, teach, we have a workshop called Providence is Not Your Playground. I tell them like that, that used to be my playground, but it's not your playground. You don't get to go in and play games and try and experiment with these people. They're people who live beyond your existence here. You can try something and it didn't work well, and you can brush your shoulder off. You can really do that at Brown. You can like dust yourself of what you did wrong because you're leaving in four years, but what you did wrong lives on forever in this community. So it's something that like my identity plays a big role in because I know that the students that I'm working with, unless they stay on to do master program or work with us, etc., they're only going to be here for four years, and. My identity plays a role in that because I feel responsible because what they're doing is affecting my family still. I still have a little brother that goes to public schools. There's a school that like, a lot of my bonners go to and do service at, and my little brother's there. And if they were to do something that wasn't benefiting the students there or could cause damage, I'd have to stand up and say something in my role because I say to, I'd say to them, hey, there are real people here and real people that I actually interact with that are going to be affected by that. It's like, it's a sense of responsibility because I'm from this community. Um, now, I'm a Bonner alum. So another way that my, my identity plays into this is I'm a Bonner. I, I, with Bonners, I know what the, what the experience is like, and I know at times it can be challenging. It could be exhausting, burdensome to take on the amount of experiences that our, the people from these communities are, are facing and feeling and struggles. We take that on, and I know that. And so my identity plays a role because I can say, hey, I've been there. And you know what helps me is to lean on my co-peers, my fellow Bonners, and see what they're going through and how they coped. Um, so I use that identity. And then I also use my Providence identity to influence um, the faculty and sort of leadership at the university here. Um, I, when I go into meetings, I don't, <clears throat> I don't ever neglect to say that this is the community that I'm from and I was born in and that I was a member of this nonprofit and this nonprofit because it says to them, well, this person has experienced what Providence is. This person has experienced what Brown's relationship to Providence is. This person has experienced what oppression is. This person also experiences what it is to work now on the top side of the hill instead of the bottom side, right? So um, I use my identity as a tool. I also use it as an identifier as well. Coming up, we have Gretchen Milky, Assistant Dean for Civic Engagement at Weiner University and Banner alum, to share with us how her identity influenced her work. It plays a huge role in the field. I think it carries a lot of historical challenges as well as our effectiveness at, at being able to be um, an insider, if you will. 
into the community. I, I'm not from Chester, Pennsylvania. I did not grow up in Pennsylvania. I'm from Maryland. I work in Chester, Pennsylvania. It is a predominantly African-American community. It is a community that's four and a half square miles by four and a half square miles. And they say everybody's cousins. There's a lot of gun violence and some gang violence that is unfortunately affecting it. But it's really an amazing community. Um, but I think as far as my identity and my work, I'm not an insider. So even though I've been here for four years, there's a lot of work that I need to do in order to really understand and know my community and that mistakes can be made as to like, how do you know that the person is speaking to you is the right person to speak to? How do you know that their perspective is the perspective that you should like subscribe to when perhaps there's another like perspective that's important? I acknowledge the, um, the problems in our field. As a field, civic engagement has problems with patriarchy with white colonialism, with a lot of a lot of ism. It's about power and privilege. And if we don't be careful, we can accidentally um, lead with our privilege and we can accidentally pave the way to harm our communities accidentally, even with good intentions. So I look at Tom's shoes, you know, Tom's shoes, everybody's like, oh, it's great. And they're still wearing them and they're still touted as a great company. But they have totally eradicated the shoe industries in their local environment. That's a problem. I look at disaster relief and everybody wants to send donations and donations and the reality or go help. No, no, no. Just send money. They don't have the infrastructure to receive donations after a crisis. Please don't send your donations, even if it's water. Um, that's effective. Like people need water. But where are you going to where are you going to ship pounds of water? It's expensive to ship pounds of water. How do you get money to the people on the ground, even though that's helpful? Um, people are sending teddy bears to the the camps for the immigrant immigrant children don't send teddy bears that's not helpful send lawyers send translators and so i think there's these thoughts of your identity and how you oh it makes me feel good i feel better because i sent a teddy bear i'm a good person and they my heart's bleeding for them but i think the strategy and and the impact and how do you effectively communicate with that community your identity is really tied to that and you need to be able to read it properly so that you can be effective at reaching the community, reaching the right people in the community and making the kind of impact that is long-term sustainable and community-led. Now, let's hear from Dr. Wilbur Whitney, Director of the Bonner Office of Community Service at Morehouse College. Well, I think one thing is that me being African-American uh, and then the other African-American male and then also having a doctorate degree shows that this is an area that research is important, that documentation is important, uh, just like other fields are. So I think that, you know, that it is a field that uh, one can make a difference and use their skills that they learned as a, like I, I could say I have a PhD in community psychology and I use my skills every day in terms of uh, this field. So uh, I think that shows people that uh, those skills are very important, whether it's research or um, whether it's just the idea of being an academic uh, as well. Kelly Finn, the Student Development Program Manager of the Sweater Center at Brown University and Banner alum, highlights the relevance of taking the time to do the inner work to understand one's identity. 
it plays a huge role. I tell this story a lot, but I think my freshman year was a huge um, arc of learning and understanding that I had to do in terms of my own privilege and power and what I bring to the table in terms of my identity. And um, the work continues today. I think I can't be effective. I can't support the students that I work with in an effective way if I don't do the inner work to understand my own um, complicity in white supremacy and power and really just work on understanding my privilege. And it's, it's like layers. There's layers and layers there. That's a personal practice that I have to do that I have to bring to the workplace. And it has to happen in both areas of my life. I can't just show up at work without doing that work. So it's critical. And, you know, I've, I've wrestled with things like white fragility and guilt and not knowing what to do with those feelings. And what I try to do, and it's still a work in progress, is just put myself in spaces where I'm able to have these conversations with peers and colleagues and friends who help push me, question some of my own thinking and get me out of, you know, my bubble of the way that I think about the world. And um, I'm really grateful for the people who have been on that path with me because it's not necessarily their job to do it, but they've helped me tremendously in understanding my own identity. I try to model that with the students that I work with, but it's not easy and I make mistakes just like everyone else. And um, I think it's just really important to admit that and to sort of keep pushing forward. Additionally, we have Matthew Brian Cheney, Banner alum, Assistant Professor of English and Director of the Banner Center for Service Learning and Civic Engagement at Carson Newman University, discussing the importance of knowing where one stands on a spectrum of power and privilege. I am a person who comes from immense privilege, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a straight white male uh, who is educated, um, grew up Christian, so I was a part of the majority religious belief system of this country. So I, I think my identity, you know, recognizing where I am on a sort of spectrum of power and privilege is something that I have to do pretty much every day if I'm going to be successful. I have to be willing to learn. I have to be willing to listen to people. I have to be willing to be told that I was wrong about a thing and apologize if that, if that happens. Um, so it's important because I'm a, you know, a kind of privileged white guy, but I'm in this position of leadership at a center that's really diverse. You know, the majority of our bonders at Carson Newman are students of color. We have non-Christian students, even though Carson Newman is a very um, strongly identified Christian university. Um, it's Bible verses on everything. It's a very important part of the campus culture here. And so it's, a, it's important in the sense that I always have to be mindful of what are those beliefs and assumptions that I kind of carry to the work and be willing to learn. Um, that being said, sometimes I have to use that to help our work um, because privilege is one of those things that goes both ways. And so there are times when I can speak up in a meeting that can be helpful to other people who are not listened to as easily. One of the things that I try to do really strategically is listen to my colleagues and listen to my students who aren't being taken as seriously as they could be, whether it's for racism or sexism or homophobia or something like that. And, um, you know, what can I say to kind of advocate for them, but in a way that's mindful to what they would actually want and not just me trying to take like a political view that I have and make assumptions about what they want. So my, my identity is very important um, to that because I, understanding, you know, that is, is really key to, you know, how I lead and how I work and kind of exist in the, in the community, for sure. 
Finally, to close this section, we have Ariel del Rosario, Program Manager at Project Pericles and Bonner alum, mentioning how her identity has influenced her to pursue a civically engaged career in the higher education sector. I think, well, as a first-gen woman of color, that, that is a really big part of my identity. And I see that higher education often has this issue of exclusivity. You have to be, you have to oftentimes make a certain amount of money or have a certain amount of privilege and resources to be able to even attend college, which is why I think college is so important to be civically engaged because the people who attend have a lot of power. As a you know young woman of color who's first gen and comes from a family of immigrants, I realize how important it is to be a part of the system and to have your voice heard. And so that part of my identity fuels a lot of why I'm in this field. I also think it's important to have role models. And if you don't see yourself in leadership roles, if you don't see yourself as being the one educating others, then you may, li you may limit what you think you can do from the outside. Welcome to the second segment of this episode, which help us learn about a typical day in these professionals' lives. First, we have Dr. Wilbur Whitney, sharing with us his typical day and some tips that help him work efficiently. I am a uh, very organized person, and that has always helped me. I'm also a, a morning person, so I like to start doing my things early in the morning. But one thing I do every week is I write a list of tasks that I want to accomplish for that week. I write those tasks from the most important down to the least important. I want to be able to finish the week and, and know that I've gotten the most important things done. I'm also very good at time management, and I think that's something that students really have to learn. So I start my day off uh, coming into the office. I have, like my email, probably have four emails, because I either delete them or put them in a file or respond to them. So to me, what's important as a director, it's uh, handling the paperwork, things that need to be important like that. And so I try to do those things, especially since I'm a morning person, I do the most important things first thing in the morning. But that's why I like to meet in the morning. I'm not a good person to meet like at three or four o'clock. I will meet that, but I don't, I'm not my best at that time. So I understand that about myself. And then after I do that, usually I meet with my staff. I meet with my assistant director. We have like small meetings. We don't have like long weekly meetings. We have, uh, someone said that they're like huddles. We meet maybe three or four times a day, maybe for 15 minutes or so about what the issues are. Now, we do that when it's needed. We try to do that periodically throughout the day as issues either come up or arise or things we need to take care of that are important. I also, I take a lunch. I used to teach a class uh, at 11 and then one at one and I would tell my one o'clock students make sure I have lunch because I if I don't have lunch I'm not a good person in the afternoon. That's kind of my typical day uh, as a, as the day you know and I'm basically nine to five every day. And then I also like to spend time to go out in the field and visit some of our partners and see firsthand what's going on. So I just don't sit in the office. I I'm not a person that just sit in the office all day, but I really enjoy what I do. It's a rewarding job. I think students need to find something that they like to do that they don't feel like it's work. 
And to me, work is something like, oh, it's Sunday night. I got to go to work on Monday, you know. And so a lot of times I'll, I'm in here working on the weekends, uh, in the evenings, even the, even when the school's closed. I don't, I don't look at it in terms of just doing nine to five. I look at it in terms of working when you, you know, especially with the computer now, which actually is a two-edged sword. You can work all the time if you want to. Second, we have Ariel del Rosario, who shares that each day comes with unique opportunities and challenges. What I love about Project Pericles is that because our staff is so small, the day-to-day, -day, I can't tell you <laughs> what one day is like. So we do everything from calls with our partners to fundraising and grant reporting to talking with our constituents who are students, staff, faculty, program directors, presidents, and provosts. We have programs on various levels from the curriculum to workshops. Um, and so what I love about what I do every day is that it is so different. But what ties everything together is that all of our programs are supporting students to make a difference in society. On a similar note, Gretchen Milkey says that there is no such thing as a typical day in her work. There's no such thing as a regular day. <laughs> a regular day is busy. <laughs> so this morning, I woke up at six in the morning in order to get a little exercise. I uh, came to work by quarter to eight because we had a freshman registration day, which is only in two weeks in the summer. Um, set up a table on our civic and global engagement. Students were going to be facilitating the table for other students because I think that's really effective. They don't want to listen to me, they want to listen to you guys. Then I drove to the Delaware County Housing Authority to meet with their community coordinator to talk about some student placements in the fall, a course connection in the, in the fall. I came back and met with a student to prep trainings for the fall for our volunteer coordinator program called the Pride Service Site Leaders. And then I'll talk with you guys for an hour and then I'm interviewing global candidates for our, our position on study abroad for this afternoon. And then I'm going to meet with a student about a living learning community that we're working on. So there's so much variety to my day, which I love. So there is no typical day. Tomorrow will be like, there'll be a lot of meetings. But it'll be on 16 different things, and some with community partners, some with students, some with like uh, administrators and stakeholders, some with international, some with nonprofits who want us to donate something or um, want money, um, some on the website, some with university relations. So I think there's uh, a lot of variety for a typical day. So a typical day is longer. I would say like eight to six, probably. In the summers, we have Fridays off, which is helpful. And then in the school year, there's always some kind of evening. So we were in student affairs previously, but now I'm in the office of the president. And it's still on a student hour schedule. So I would say I typically, even in the summers, have some student meetings that are 6.30 at night and go until 9 o'clock at night. Furthermore, Matthew Bryan Cheney shares the different components of his day at work. One of the things that I think is important is to kind of demystify this whole process. And I mean by that is like making it seem more real and less like this fantasy that other people experience, but you aren't going to experience. And I think one of the ways to do that is just to see what a person does on a day-to-day -day basis. And really like a lot of it's emails. A lot of it is preparing for the classes I'm going to teach and making sure that I have everything together there. I grade probably every day. 
and then making time to kind of talk with each of the staff and see what everybody's working on. And also just do silly things. Like we were playing the new Harry Potter uh, phone game at lunch and uh, our center was actually, is actually like one of the sites for the Harry Potter game where you can get things. And so we're all really excited about that. When you're looking towards some kind of goal professionally, I think you always look at these people and you kind of put them up on a pedestal like, oh, there's some kind of special person that they did things that I don't know if I can do myself. And really, you know, we're just people. On a day-to-day basis, everything's a little bit different. Today, I had a meeting with a community partner that was like an hour and a half long. It was really positive. And I didn't know that it was going to be positive. I thought it might be negative. We've had quite a bit of conflict with this partner. And it ended up going pretty well. Then I had a meeting with a fellow faculty member about a committee we're both working on. Um, And then I had to run to the store to get something for my kids. It's like little things like that on a day-to-day basis that you just kind of populate your life with. And so I think that's an important part of professional development too, is seeing this as these are just people that have a job just like anybody else. That was something that's been on my mind. I worry that if you're, you know, in your early 20s or late teens and you want to be a professor and you're looking at these people, um, that you don't think of them as just regular people who have just basic things that they deal with every day. And everybody I work with, everybody's got... That's, that's, that's the case for everybody. For Joshua Rodriguez, a typical day involves a lot of interaction with different constituents in the field, which contributes to his learning and growth. Um, but the typical day-to-day for me is um, I don't run the bottom program on my own. I actually follow the leadership of Kelly Finn, very known in the bottom community. In addition to that, I also work with this program called Community Core, which is essentially like our group of students who do direct service in our schools, in our community, et cetera. So as, um, the program is not as rigorous as the bottom program, um, but I also do that work as well. So my day-to-day, um, you know, when I come in in the morning, uh, first thing I do is I, I look at my emails and I see emails from my students first and see who needs, uh, what attention is needed. Most of my work would often work with coordinating, um, matching students to a place to go and serve. And so I'm like talking to my connections here at my team and the community and the student themselves and getting to know them more to see where I can match them best. I'm working with my colleagues across the university to find ways that I can fund for these students to do these opportunities. Because a lot of my students come with challenges in terms of like, I can either take this uh, opportunity that will afford my learning or I can take a job at the refectory, which is basically our, our sort of student dining area, right? And I'm also, I'm always torn because I was like, well, I don't want them to not get this experiential learning um, due to financial issues. So a lot of my work during the day too is also coordinating and making sure that finances are, are being funneled in the right place. I'm also doing a lot of curriculum development and facilitation throughout my days. Um, so I'm building workshops. One of my favorite things to do is to build workshops that get across what we hope to do with this service learning stuff, right? Which is reflection, civic responsibility, Right? Like, so what is your responsibility civically? Not just in terms of like, I'm responsible for helping somebody learn English, but then what happens after that? Like, you know, a lot of people need to learn English. What's the issue here? Is that we don't have a good educational system for these people. You change that, right? So when we think about civic responsibility, what is your responsibility beyond Brown or during Brown to do something about that? And then third is a co-sharing of knowledge. So like, what knowledge can we bring from the community into our space? So those three things is what I use to build workshops. Right? I reflect, so like, how can I bring reflection into this? How can I bring civic responsibility and how can I bring in knowledge external from our centers, from our four walls of the university to our students? And then I do a lot of community building with my colleagues throughout my day. So we'll have lunch together. We do a shared lunch where we bring lunch and we share what each other have. Right? I, I come from a Cambodian community. 
And so like we cook Cambodian food and we bring it in and we share and my friend cooks Vietnamese and, um, and so on. So we, we sort of bring that into our space and build community then. And then in the evenings, I'm facilitating workshops or meeting with bonners, etc. Thank you so much, everyone, for learning with us today. This concludes the first episode of The Inside Scoop of a Civically Engaged Higher Education Career. Wondering where to find more videos? Find us on YouTube as Banner Network. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a thumbs up. We're also on the Banner website at www.banner.org. Bye.